Just bless the Lord, church. How many of you know that wherever Jesus is, is like heaven, amen? And if we could just find ourselves into his presence, I don't care if you're driving down the road, care if you're sitting in your bedroom, the workplace, the break room, if we would just take a moment and invite Jesus in, that very place could be like heaven, amen? Hallelujah. It is good to see you in God's house once again tonight. If you've not been with us over the last three nights, beginning Sunday night, uh, we hope that maybe you make up for it this evening. But I know that God has heard our prayers over the last three days. I know that we've been in his presence and I know that he has a full word for us this evening. Tonight is more of a a normal uh, service, but praying that the Holy Spirit allows me enough time at the end where we can just spend some more time in His presence. Amen. In the time of prayer. The title of my message tonight is Humble Yourself and Pray. It's taken from a verse and that all of us know. It's 2 Chronicles 7:13 to 14 and it says, If I were to shut up the heavens to where there'd be no rain, if I would command the locusts to devour the land or send a plague upon my people... If my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their sinful ways, then I would hear from heaven and I would forgive their sins and I would heal their land. How many of you know our land needs some healing? And I'm not just talking about the United States of America. I'm talking about this land right here. This land called Jeff Merriman or the Merriman household. There's areas of my household that need some healing. And I'm not just talking in my body. There's areas in your life. There's areas at South Metro. There's areas in Coweta County. There's areas in Noonan. There's areas in Sharpsburg and Peachtree City that just need healing. There's some sins that need to be forgiven, amen? And there's some prayers that need to be heard. And so what I'm going to talk to you about tonight is based solely on 2 Chronicles 7, 13 to 14 and how that our prayers can be heard, amen? But in order for that to happen, we, we have to humble ourselves, we have to pray, and we have to seek His face. And we have to turn from our sin. But before we get any further in the word, let us go first to the Lord one more time in prayer and just ask for a spirit of humility to come upon all of us. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you've provided us an opportunity once again to come into your household and into your presence. There's a lot of other places we could be tonight, God, but tonight we're here at South Metro Ministries in the presence of the Most High God. I thank you that you're here, Father God. I thank you for the word that you have sown into my heart and into my spirit. And I pray tonight, Father God, that I would not have to deliver it on my own, that I would deliver it under the anointing and under the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray for a a humbling spirit, Father God, upon me first and then upon your people, because I cannot do this on my own. I need to be humble, Father God, for your anointing to rest upon me, humble for the truth to rest upon me, humble for your words to come forth and not my own. And we need humility to receive your word and to receive it with gladness. 
God, I know you're not here to to spank your people this evening, but you are here to exhort us and encourage us, Father God, to be who you've called us to be so that our land could be healed, Father God. Our personal land and our communal land, Father God, to this land called the United States of America. We need a healing, Father God. We need some sins to be forgiven. We need some prayers to be heard and to be answered. But God, for that to happen, it all begins with this thing called humility. And that's what I pray for this evening, God. I pray for a spirit of humility. I pray for pride to be crucified and hung on the cross, God, so that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me, that lives and moves and breathes within me and within this people, God. That's what I pray for tonight. That's what I pray for for next week. That's what I pray for for 2014. I pray it for me and for these people and for South Metro Ministries. We agree together and we say thank you that it shall be done in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. I know that most of us know and like to quote Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name, and we seem to know that one quite well. But what we have to understand is that verse 13 tells us that sometimes because of our stubbornness, sometimes because of our unfaithfulness, sometimes because of our pride, because of our wickedness or Because of our sin, sometimes God shuts up the heavens on his people. Sometimes God holds back his blessing because of our greed or because of our jealousy or because of our lustfulness or because of our compromise. Sometimes God holds back his goodness because we have placed other gods before him. Sometimes he holds back the rain because he finds us walking in our ways instead of his ways and doing what's right in our own eyes instead of the eyes of God. Sometimes God holds back the rain. I know Psalms 84.11 tells us that God withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. But in 2 Chronicles 7.13 and 14, God's not talking about those people. He's talking about a proud people. He's talking about a people that is seeking everything else under the sun except Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's talking about a people that have out of balance and out of whack priorities. He's talking about people that have some hidden sin in their life that they're not confessing to the Father. But I want you to know this evening that verses 13 and 14 aren't talking to the world. It's talking to the church. It's talking to his people who have a spirit of pride. It's talking about his people who have sought after other gods. It's talking about his people who have not confessed their sins. And it's why the heavens are shut up on his people. What God wants us to understand today is that God will withhold those good things from His people in order to humble us. 
There are times that God will withhold His blessings and withhold His goodness and withhold His favor in order to bring about a spirit of humility among His people and in the hearts of His children. Sometimes He will close up the heavens in order to bring us to that place where we seek His face, church. Like we sang in one of those songs. Sometimes he'll hold back the rain in order to get us to that place where we are willing to confess our sins and not just confess them, but to turn from them, church. To begin to walk on a road in a path of righteousness instead of unrighteousness. He, he, he'll hold back the rain in order to get rid of the compromise and the carnality that seems to make its way into our life. I want you to understand that this word is for Jeff Allen Merriman before it's for any of you out there. This word is for me before I begin to preach it to any of you out there. And and I'm telling you tonight that if I want the heavens to open in my life and I don't want God to hold back the rain, this man standing right here has to learn how to humble himself better. This man standing right here has to learn how to seek the face of the Almighty God better than I seek Him today. This man has to strip off some things that so easily get in the way of me running the race that God has set before me. And when this man does those things, then the heavens will be opened up into my life and He will heal my land and He will hear my prayers and He will forgive me of my sins. This word is for me tonight before I bring it to anyone else out there. God, humble Pastor Jeff Merriman tonight so that you might hear my prayers. Humble your people as well. You willing to be humble tonight, church? It's all God wants to hear. You see, the reality is sometimes God holds back heaven To get our attention. Holds back the rain in order to turn our life around and for us to come to our senses. But please understand if that's not enough to move us. If that's not enough to humble us. If holding back the rain isn't enough to get us to seek God's face and to turn from our wicked ways. Then God will loose the locust instead. You see, what you need to understand tonight is that when God holds back the rain, it's just a warning. But when He looses the locust into our life, it's a form of judgment that God brings upon His people. And if we don't respond to the judgment, then He looses His wrath upon His people. And that's the plague that He's talking about. If I was to shut up the heavens to be the, to where there'd be no rain, if my people don't respond to that, then I will loose the locust and I'll make it a little bit more difficult and I'll make it a little bit harder. I'll let them feel it a little bit stronger so it brings them to that place that they need to be in Christ. And if my judgment's not enough, guess what I'll bring next? I will send a plague upon my people, and that is the wrath of God. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want the wrath of God on my life. I don't want a plague loosed on my land. I don't want the locust loose. I don't want the devourer to have any room in my life, church. I don't want God to open up His hand and loose the locust in my life. And much rather Him hold back the blessing. 
But sometimes, you know what we do? God begins to hold back the blessing. And instead of us humbling ourselves, instead of us seeking his face, instead of us repenting of our wicked ways and our stubbornness, we complain at God. God, why are you holding back the blessing? God, what are you putting me through this for? How come you're not opening up the windows of heaven? And if that's the way we respond to God when he holds back the rain, guess what happens? He looses the locust into our lives. He'll loose the locust into your finances. He'll loose the locust. God will do this, church. You see, the reality is, listen, I'm not angry at anybody here, but I want you to understand that this is the condition of the church today. I'm not saying South Metro Ministry. I'm saying the church across the globe is filled with individuals who are not humbling themselves in the sight of God. It's filled with individuals that are not seeking the face of God. Oh, they'd rather get what's in the hand of God. And it's filled with individuals that are walking around with sin and compromise draped all around them. And they wonder why the windows of heaven are closed into their life. Amen. They wonder, church. Listen. I love what God has done over the last three days. But if you think that's enough. If you think the last three days of coming into the house of God for an hour each night is enough for God to open up the windows of heaven and to pour a blessing into your life and turn a stubborn old man into a humble individual that seeks his face, you're sadly mistaken. You're sadly mistaken. Sometimes my biggest concern when we have these three-day prayer things is people come for three days and they think that's enough. Oh, I put in my time, God. And that's the last you see of them the rest of the year. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive them of their sins. And then I will hear their land. That's the word of the Lord tonight, church. I hate to tell you, but that's where I believe that God's church is today. I believe God's holding back his blessing. I believe he's holding back the rain. And I believe upon many God has loosed the locusts as well because of our pride. Because we're not seeking his face. Because we're not repenting of our sins. Because if we were, according to the word of God to me, if we were humbling ourselves like we should, if we were seeking his face like we should, if we would be repenting of our sins like we should, then he would be hearing us. He would be helping us. He would be healing our land. But when we find ourselves in situations where we're having to sing songs like God send the rain and there's nothing with that song. I told her to sing that song. But when the house of God has to sing songs like God send the rain, there's something wrong in the house of God. 
The rain should always be falling in the house of God. We shouldn't have to beg God for the rain to fall. you, You know what tells me? When the rain's not falling, it means there's pride in the house of God. It means we're not seeking His face like we should be seeking His face. It means we're covered in sin. That's why we got to beg God for the rain to come down. It's a pretty and beautiful song. But the Lord's not going to send His rain on sin. And God's not going to send His rain on someone who's not seeking His face. He's certainly not going to send the rain on a proud and arrogant people. I told myself I wasn't going to get all excited. (sighs) Jesus. I wish there was a thousand people sitting here hearing this word. Every time I stand up here and I speak the word of the Lord, I wish there was 2,000 people listening to it. Because this land needs to hear the word of God. So they can be healed. So they can be helped. So they can be forgiven of their sins. But in order for that to happen, it all starts with humility. God's people. We're God's people. We should be people of humility. Amen. Please understand if we're humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord, He would be lifting us up. If we were humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord, He would be lifting us up. But so often, we live like we're down there and not being lifted up. We live like we're down here instead of being seated in heavenly places. If we were humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord, He would be lifting us up. If we were diligently seeking His face, the Bible tells me He would be rewarding us. If we were repenting, He would be hearing us and helping us and healing our land. So when I don't see those things happening, it tells me we're not doing what we should be doing as the children of God. As His chosen people, as His royal priesthood, as His holy nation, we're not doing what we should be doing in order to move heaven on our behalf. We don't have the humility that we need. We're seeking the wrong thing, church. We've not stripped ourselves of every sin that so easily besets us, church. If we want God to hear us, to help us, to heal us, there's four steps that we have to take for that to happen. It's one I want to look at in the moments that I have, church, and I'll get through it as quickly as I can. But that's what we're going to look at in verse 14. It outlines those first things, those four steps that are required, church. And the very first step is the step of humility. If my people would humble themselves is what God starts out saying. And what we need to understand is that humility is the building block for everything God wants to do in our spiritual lives. Humility is the building block for everything God wants to do in your life. Humility is the building block for God's anointing. When I stand behind this pulpit, I cannot do this on my own. I need the Holy Spirit and I need God. Humility says, God, I need you. It's the building block for the anointing. 
It's the building block for God's favor that we so often call on and and desire to have evident in our life. It's the building block for God's blessings and God's goodness, church. Humility is the building block of our faith. I know Jesus Christ is the foundation. Humility is the building block for everything that God wants to do for you and in you and with you. Humility is the building block for everything we should do for God as well. Humility has to be the building block of your praise or he won't receive it. Humility has to be the building block of every prayer. It's why he said if my people would humble themselves and pray. Because with prayer without humility, God won't even listen to. Humility is the building block for everything God does for us, wants to do for us, and it should be the building block for everything we do for God. Humility should be the building block for your tithing and your giving. You want to know why so many people struggle giving to God? Pride. Pride. You see, humility, when that plate comes around and they grab a hold of their wallet, and they have to begin to decide how much money is God worth. Humility says he's worth the whole thing. Because without God, I wouldn't be worth a plumb nickel. Without God, I'd have nothing to my name. Without God, I wouldn't have a sound mind. Without God, I would have no breath. Without God, I wouldn't have a house. Without God, I wouldn't have a job. Without God, I wouldn't get a paycheck. Without God, I would have nothing to put in this wallet and nothing to put in my bank. So, God, you're worth everything to me. That's what humility does. Pride says, I worked real hard for this. Pride says, uh, I got to go to lunch, got to go to dinner, got to go to the movies, got to go to. That's what pride says. And we wonder when we go to God in prayer. That he don't hear us. Because we have not built our spiritual life on the building block of humility. You want God to let loose in your finances? Give with a spirit of humility. You want the windows to be opened and not held back? You want God to pour out a blessing on you that's pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing in your life? Give with a spirit of humility. Understanding that if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have a nickel to my name. Hmm. Just a thought. I want you to understand how important humility is. If Jesus Christ himself could not make it to the right hand of the Father without humility, how much more do you think we need humility? And I'm going to explain that in a second. If Jesus needed humility to get to the right hand of God, How much more do you think our prayers need humility to reach into heaven? How much more do you think our prayers need to reach up to the right hand of God? 
How much more do you think our prayers need to break through the, the atmosphere and come up into the throne room of God's grace, church? How much more humility do you think we need to be seated in heavenly places like we sang about, church? We need it more now than we've ever needed it before. If our society and our world was ever more prideful and arrogant, it's today. If there's never been any pride in the house of God and even standing behind the pulpit, I'm telling you, it's today. And pride has to be crucified, church. Listen, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up, the Bible says. If you wanted to be lift, if you want to be lifted up, if you want to be lifted up out of the miry clay, if you want to be lifted up out of the pit, if you want to be lifted up out of depression, you know, those are all low places. You understand what I'm saying? Depression is a low, low place. Fear is a low, low place. It's an earthly place. It's a low place. It's the devil's place. If you want to be lifted up out of the miry clay, lifted up out of darkness, lifted up out of depression, lifted up out of uh, addictions, lifted up out of anything that's ungodly, you have to humble yourself and pray and seek God's face and turn from your wicked way. And then God will lift you up, church, and he'll seat you in places you've never been sat before. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Remember, it was because Jesus emptied his will in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's because he said, not my will, but thy will be done. It was because he humbled himself and made himself nothing and took on the form of a servant. It was because he laid down his life for a friend on Calvary's cross that God highly exalted him and gave him a name which was above every name. And because of it, he was exalted and seated at the right hand of the Father. The Word of God says, therefore, God highly exalted him. Because he poured himself out like a drink offering. Therefore, God highly exalted him. Because he made himself nothing. Therefore, God highly exalted him. Because he took on the form of a servant, church. Became obedient even to the point of death. Therefore, death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him. If you want to be seated in heavenly places. If you want to be lifted up. If you want to be brought out of the miry clay, if you want your prayers to reach into the throne room of God, it all begins with humility. If Jesus needed it to get to the right hand of God, how much more do we need it, church? You see, what we have to understand is, is that we must come through humility when we come to God in prayer, and we must come through Jesus Christ. I am the door, Jesus said. In one verse, in John. In another verse, he said, there is no way to the Father except through me or by me. Again, in John. Another verse in John, he says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter into the sheep pen by the gate or by the work of Jesus Christ or the way of Jesus Christ, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Please understand me this evening. There's no way to enter into the presence of God except through Jesus Christ. There's no way to enter into the throne room of God's grace except through the work of Jesus Christ. 
through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you and I try to enter in any other way, which we do on a regular basis, which his children try to do on a regular basis, God calls us thieves and robbers trying to rob his favor, trying to rob his glory, trying to rob his anointing, trying to rob his blessing by climbing in some other way. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ, who demonstrated uh, humility to the utmost degree. We've got to come in humility, and we must come through Jesus Christ, church. But the sad reality is, far too often, we try to climb into God's presence some other way. We think we can enter by our own good works. We think we can enter by our own good deeds. We think we can enter in by the gifts that we give to God. We're like the Pharisees that think because we're the keeping the law that we can step right in. That's what the Pharisees thought. They thought because they were all dressed in white. Because they were arrayed in costly jewels. Because they washed their hands and they kept the law that they could walk right into the presence of God. And far too often we do the same exact thing. We base our acceptance or rejection from God on what we do or don't do. That's the law. The law says you got to do this, 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 and this to get to God. You know the only thing you got to do to get to God is believe and receive in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. To repent of your sins, to confess your sins, to humble yourself to the place that says, I can't do this on my own. I can't do life on my own. I can't do marriage on my own. I, I can't handle these finances. I can't go to work on them. And that's what humility says. I can't, I can't do this any on my own. I need you, God. That's what humility says. Humility understands that the only way that I can get into the throne room of God is through what Jesus Christ did for me. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ, through the the blood of Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We cannot come into His presence, church, on our own merits. We can't can't enter into His throne room based on the the years of service or the, the quantity of sacrifices that I've made. And so often we do that. But the reality is, David tells us in Psalm 51, 17, you don't delight in sacrifices, otherwise I give them. You don't desire... uh, You're not pleased with burnt offerings, otherwise I would bring them. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, a humble heart. He says, oh God, you will not despise and you will not turn away. Please understand it is not my goodness that gets me to God. It's not my righteousness that gets me to God because my righteousness is like filthy rags. And I hate to tell you, so is yours. I don't care how nicely up we dress. Our righteousness is like filthy rags, church. And when we try to enter into the presence of God based on on our own righteousness, like the Pharisees did, God calls us a thief and a robber. Robbing the glory from Jesus Christ and what He did. Do you understand the depth of that, church? You need to understand that if you think your good works gain you access to God, 
then you're saying, I'm just as good as Jesus. I've made as great a sacrifice as Jesus. I'm as as pure as Jesus and holy as Jesus. But humility says, I understand, O God, that I am nothing without you. I'm empty without you. I'm lost without you. I'm blind without you. I'm wretched without you. I'm naked without you. I'm pitiful without you. Arrogance doesn't even recognize its own pitiful, wretched state and thinks it can march right into God's presence. We need to understand that if we want our prayers to be heard, then we must enter into God's presence with a spirit of humility. And we must enter in understanding that there's only one individual that has given me access to the throne room of God, and it is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. He's the only one that gives me access. Please understand, I know the Bible tells us that we we are to come boldly into the throne room of God. That we might find help in our time of need. But please understand there's a huge difference between boldness and arrogance. It's a huge difference. Arrogance thinks it deserves what it doesn't deserve. Arrogance thinks it has earned what it hasn't earned. And the reality is you and I don't deserve anything except God's judgment and wrath. You and I don't deserve anything except hell. You and I don't deserve the blessings of God. We don't deserve the the favor of God. We don't deserve the anointing of God. I'm saying this then. I don't deserve the anointing of God. I don't I don't deserve any of it. The only reason that I can receive it and believe it and hold on to it and claim it is because of the wondrous work of Jesus Christ. He is the only one that has earned access to God. He's the one that caused the veil to be rent in two. He's the one that granted me access. And that's exactly why Jesus says there is no way to the Father but through me. Because I'm the one that made the sacrifice. I'm the one that shed the blood. I'm the one that paid the price. I'm the one that was slain from the foundation of the earth. I'm the one that caused the heavens to grow dark. I'm the one that shook the ground. I'm the one that rent the veil in two. I'm the one that gave you access to the Father in the holy of holies not you me i'm the one that gave you access and jesus as our lord and savior now invites us to boldly follow behind him into the presence of his father so that we might find help in our time of need but jesus set the example this is what you need to understand jesus didn't go to the cross in arrogance Jesus never had an ounce of pride. He laid down his scepter and he laid down his robe and he took off his crown at the foundation of the earth and he left it in heaven and he came off of his throne. And ever since, he's been demonstrating humility. If it it took Jesus' humility to get to the Father, how much more do we need to come into the presence of God with humility? Understanding that Jesus is the only one that has granted us access to God. He's the only one that has earned that access. 
Humility understands that no one can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. The only access that we have been granted to God is based on the work of Jesus Christ. There's not a single thing, church, that you and I have ever done except, like I said, to receive and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that gives us access to the holy place of God. And that's what humility understands. And it's what humility does. It bows before its maker. And then it comes boldly to Calvary's, comes to, to God boldly through Calvary's cross. Humility recognizes its desperate need for God. Like I said, I cannot do this on my own. Humility says, I need you, God, to fix this marriage. I need you to fix my finances. I need you to help my son. I need you to help my daughter. I need you to get me out of this stinking old mess that I got myself into. I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to restore a, a right spirit within me. I need you to restore my mind. I, I need you. I, I need you. I need you, God. You see, humility says, I'm not connected enough on my own. It says I'm not wise enough. It says I'm not prestigious enough. It says I'm not strong enough. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not influential enough on my own. I need you, God. Humility says without you, Jesus, without you, God, I am nothing but with you. Please get this. But with you, connected to you, and through you, I can do all things. That's what humility says. Humility says, with you and connected to you and through you, I can come boldly into the throne room of grace and find help in my time of need. Please notice what God said. If my, He didn't say this. He didn't say, if my people who are called by my name would simply pray, pray, pray. Because the reality is there's some prayers that aren't heard. Some prayers that are never listened to. There's some prayers that never make it past the roof. There's some prayers that aren't always responded to, church. It's only the prayer that comes from a humble and a broken and a contrite heart that God hears and God receives and then looses His blessings into. We have to have a humble heart when we come to God because He said if we would humble ourselves and pray, then I would hear from heaven. If we would bow before him and pray, if we would deny our, that's what humility does. If we would deny ourselves and pray, if we would empty ourselves and pray like Jesus did, if we would surrender our will and ourselves and pray like Jesus did, then I will hear from heaven and then I will heal your land but please understand, as I begin to wind this down, God said far more than that. He gave us four steps to enter in. Humility was number one. If we would humble ourselves and pray, meaning turning to God and trusting in God and believing in God. That's what prayer is. It's communion with God. It's fellowshipping with God. It's coming into the presence of God. That's what prayer is, church. It's communing with Him. It's walking with Him. That's what prayer is. Listen, the truth is proud people don't pray. Proud people don't pray. I, I hate to be condemning and mean here, but if you don't have a prayer life, you're proud. Because you think you can do it all on your own. 
You think you can go through life? You think you can manage your money? You think you can manage your marriage? You think you can raise up your kids in the way that they should go? You think you can speak wise words? You think you can make life-altering decisions all on your own when you don't pray? Pride says, I can do it all by myself, God. You know what pride also is? Pride is also the person that says, I don't know how to pray. I'm embarrassed to pray. I don't know if I've got the right words to pray. I understand all that. But that's pride. Because humility says, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care if I got fancy frou-frou-y words. I just care that God hears me. That God understands my need, that, 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 that God hears my voice, that, that God feels my heartbeat and I feel His heartbeat. You see, humility says, I, I don't care if my words are fancy. I don't care if anybody sees me driving down the road thinking I'm some kind of cuckoo talking to myself. Humility just wants to connect with God. It doesn't worry about what the husband says or the wife says or the kid says or someone else. That's all pride. You want to know why a lot of people's prayers aren't being heard? Because they ain't praying. They're thinking, but they're not praying. They're thinking a whole lot of stuff they wish would happen in their life. Thinking what it would be like if my finances were better. Thinking what it would be like if my husband wasn't a jerk. Thinking what it would be like if I could find myself a good woman. Thinking what it would be like if I got myself a raise. Thinking what it would be like if I got that promotion. Thinking what it would be like. Think, think, you can think all you want. But until you humble yourself. Until you seek God's face. Repenting your sins. Those thoughts are as dead as a doornail. Humble yourself and pray. Pray, 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 pray. But don't pray without humility. Because it's not going anywhere. God, I need to finish this up. You know, we're going to tarry in prayer, okay? So don't keep me on a clock. i got to find a place to bring this thing to an end. Got to pray. Amen. Humble yourself and pray. Stop striving and know that I am God. So often we act like we're God. Sometimes we think, boy, it's some wonderful character trait to be strong enough to take care of all on my own. Don't need to pray. Don't need to bother God with that. (laughs) What do you think he asked you to do? Cast your cares on me. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But I'm being strong, God. I'm enduring, God. That's silliness. And it's pride. We need to humble ourselves and pray. Amen. And here's where I'm winding down. And seek my face. It's the third step toward heaven, hearing, helping, and healing our land. 
How many of you know there's a huge difference between seeking God's face and seeking God's hand? Unfortunately, in my opinion, this is what most Christians' prayer life has devolved into. Seeking God's hand instead of seeking His face. God Himself made it clear, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray... And seek my face. Not the form of God. How many know God's a spirit? He don't have a face. He doesn't have eyes, ears, nose, and a mouth. Doesn't have hair on his head. He's a spirit. Those who worship him, you to worship him in spirit. Because he's a spirit. Amen? So here's what we need to understand. <clears throat> when you're seeking God's face... You're not seeking something physical. You're not seeking to look into his eyes or look at how big his nose is or how big his ears are. Seeking to look at his mouth. You're seeking his will. You're seeking his ways. His face is his person. His face is his presence. His face is who he is, not what he has. But unfortunately, far too often when we come into our prayer closet, we're like that little grandchild that runs up to grandpa. What you got in your hand? What you got? What what you got in your hand for me? You know what I'm talking about, church? We play those games with our kids. Which hand's it in? That's how we approach God. We seek what's in his hand more than we seek what's in his face. And we wonder why we're not receiving what he has for us. The reality is, if we don't seek his face, if we don't seek his person, if we don't seek his glory, if we don't seek his majesty, if we don't seek his righteousness, if we don't seek to just sit at his feet, to feel his heart beat, like we sang, to feel the, the brush of His presence, to just sit at His feet and listen to His voice, what He has to say to us. If, 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 if we're not willing to just seek His face, meaning coming into the presence of His person, we're seeking the wrong thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these other things that will be added unto me. We've got to learn to transform our prayer life into that of just coming into His presence and seeking the face of God. Not what He has for us. So often I think we've turned God into some sugar daddy in the sky. What you got for me, God, today? Instead of just wanting to come like David said and just to to bask in your beauty, to look upon your face. That's what true prayer and seeking His face is all about. Here's where I close. Until we humble ourselves and enter into that place of prayer where we're willing to seek His face and not His hand, we will never repent of our sins. We won't. But here's what you need to understand. When we seek His face, we sang that song. We're going to sing it. When we seek His face with all of our heart, we'll find Him. And when we find Him, 
and we find his person and we find his presence, something begins to happen down here in your heart. And you can't help but feel a weakness in your knees. You can't help but feel a heaviness upon your your shoulder. You can't help to begin to repent of your sin. What was it Isaiah said? He saw the Lord. He saw the Lord. He he saw Him in all of His beauty. He saw Him in all of His excellence. He saw Him in all of His splendor. He saw Him as... as, as He didn't behold Him in the reality because no man can see the full face of God and live, the Bible says. But He saw His glory and something happened. He said, woe is me! I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among an unclean people. Job said the same exact thing. I heard you with my ears, but now I see you with my eyes. And I rent my clothes and I repent in heaps of ashes because he saw the person of God. That's what happens, church. This is what I'm trying to say when we're talking about developing a prayer life and coming into the presence of God and finding healing and finding help and having our sins forgiven and God hearing us. We've got to humble ourselves and pray and seek His face. And when we find Him, church, when we see Him for who He is and not what He has, something breaks in our heart. And we realize that He's more than anything He could ever provide for us. He's more than that, church. We need to seek for the healer above the healing. The provider above the provision. The miracle worker over the miracle. The sign maker over the sign. When we seek Him, we will find Him. And we will humble ourselves. And we will repent. And then God is loosed to heal our land. How many of you want some healing in your land? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand up. And I'm going to ask if you would tarry with us like we tarried the other nights. We went a little bit longer the first few nights. If you need to go, you go. But here's what I'm asking. They're going to sing that song, When I Seek You, or whatever that might be called. I'm asking you to do that. But here's what I'm asking. I'm asking that you don't ask God for anything. I'm asking that you don't ask to find out what's God, what is in God's hand. I'm asking you to just seek His face. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek His face. Shed yourself of whatever it is that you think might be standing in the way of God hearing you and blessing you and pouring out His goodness into your life. If you want healing, if you want help, If you need those things, here's an altar. Here's altars. Where you're at is an altar. She's going to sing. You find your way into the presence of God. Don't wait for me to pray. I'm going to wait on the Holy Spirit. You just begin to pray. Amen. Go ahead and sing. Seek Him, church. Seek Him.